1: Welcome, welcome back in all of you wonderful people to Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we talk about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, neurodiversity, BDSM, kink,
0: and all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, loving relationship.
1: Hey twin, what are we going to do today?
0: The same thing we do every day, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. And this week, we are joined again by a very special guest, Katie Osaurus. Hello! From- Hi! Thank you so much for coming back. We are so excited to have you. This has been a lot of fun. I know last week, we kind of talked about a lot, everything from, you know, your experience with Polly and Kink and educating on TikTok and YouTube and, you know, the frustrations that come with all of that, as well as the joys. So... Thank you again for joining us back again this week. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. How many times can I say the word again in a single sentence? Yeah. (laughs) 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 So this week, we're going to get into a little bit more of like the deeper context of things. I think it's going to be a little bit of like how specifically more about like your relationships and then like managing expectations in social media. Yeah. So... I wanted to start with something that I know I personally have kind of not really had trouble navigating because I had a sort of jumpstart with this, but it's something that I'm, I'm interested to get your take on. And that is, are there parts of yourself that you feel compelled to keep protected from the social media audience?
2: Oh, no, I think I did the opposite thing. I think that I went in wanting to be radically honest. And what that basically meant was just like just putting all of my business on the Internet. Um, So I'm actually pretty open and pretty straightforward, I think. I mean, I think there's like a couple of things like I cry way more than I think people would expect. Like I I cry all the time about everything, Um, but it's just hard to record a video while you're crying that's really cringy. Um, uh, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I went completely in the opposite direction where I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect any of this. Like I never expected any of this to happen. Um, and so I didn't go into it thinking like, Oh, I have to like, keep this part of myself separate. I just went in being like, I don't know, I guess I'm going to make some content. And now everybody knows all of my business. So that's fun. But here we are. <laughs>
1: You know, I I think we have to keep some of our things separate just because we have so many family members that like to stalk all of our content. And, you know, we have very, very healthy boundaries with our family. Like, here's the things it's okay to ask us about. And here's the things that's not okay because it's, you know, it's our business, not yours. Have you run into that at all with any, like, distant cousin or third nephew twice removed. Oh here. yeah.
2: I mean much 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 closer than that. But honestly like I like it was so funny like a family member who shall remain nameless got like all mad because I was I I was talking about kink on the internet and I was like you know the name of the interview like the name of the podcast was KDRS talks about kink like you knew what you were getting into. Like this wasn't like a like a surprise I wasn't like, oh, come for the D&D surprise. And we're talking about heavy impact. You know, I was like, y'all know what you're getting into here. You know, um, and so for me, like. I. One of the things that I, I've struggled with is that we have some, shall we say, less than understanding and less than accepting family members. Um, but I was like, I'm not going to change what I'm doing because you don't like it. Like you are a grown ass adult. You are, you know, like, I am a whole person. And if you cannot handle this idea that I talk about, you know, sex and sexuality on the internet, then don't look at my content. Like, it's not my responsibility to manage your internet stalking it is your adult responsibility to view the content that you want to view and then stay out of my business. And so and not be
1: creepy about it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, and like that kind of thing, it's like, I've, I, you know, I've had like a, like a weird amount of people that I know have, um, you know, signed up for my only fans and like, you know, like people that have, you know, like dated, uh, you know, years ago and like that kind of thing. Um, and it doesn't bother me, you know, cause I'm just kind of like, well, you like, we, you know what you're coming here for. Like, this isn't like a surprise, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so like, that's kind of how I view it is I am not going to make myself small and change the things that I'm doing to make somebody else comfortable because I'm not doing anything harmful. You know, if I was being harmful, if I was being like shitty, then yeah, I should change that behavior, but educating and advocating is not a bad thing and I
0: shan't be apologizing for it. So Right, and I know like in our in our experience, I know we've, you know, I've, I've had family members, like, similarly to you, that shall not be named, that have asked about our content. Like my, I don't mind mentioning this, like my grandmother, we talk about her sometimes on my podcast, she's one of those that I'm very fortunate she maybe isn't understanding, like she doesn't quite get what and why we talk about these things. Or why we partake in them. But she's also of just like, all right, I love you, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely been times where I've been like, she like she asked about our podcast, and I was like, I would love for you to listen to our podcast, but just remember that whatever you hear is whatever you hear. Like, if you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. You're a grown adult, but if you want to, sure. (laughs) and then I've had cousins and aunts that were like oh well what's your tic tac and I'm going no you're not allowed on it like what let me know what yours is so I can block you
1: (laughs) well I think there's you know this entire and I love your answer by the way there's this kind of entire thought process that you know we all want to be uniquely and unequivocally ourselves and I like people that do that 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 are their authentic selves online they're not changing who they are to meet the needs of anybody else. Love that. I feel like the thing that I've had to learn over the last year and a half, and I'd be curious if you've had any kind of interactions like that, is Twin had to tell me to be more like, safe with my physical safety online because when I used to do lives, when I lived in Texas, I lived in a very, very recognizable part of the downtown area and I would do my lives on my patio and people would just like walk under it and like yell up at me while I'm doing on lives. And that was always fun. I liked that. But then people would show up at my apartment at like midnight trying to get in. And these are people I don't know. So from a safety and security aspect, I've had to learn a little bit of that and had to kind of keep some of those things that I'm doing in real time separate. Have you had to deal with any of those things?
2: I mean, I'm a woman on the internet, so... Fair. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, is exactly what I was going to say. I was (laughs) like, this is such a man situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yes, I mean the the serious answer is is yes. Um, I mean I'm careful about some things, um, but actually very interestingly enough, um, a couple last not couple of months ago now I got doxed, um, which had never happened before, um, and it was through uh, Kiwi Farms. I got doxed by Kiwi Farms, which if you followed that whole debacle, that was that's very interesting, um, and they found i think i don't, I still don't know where where they came from but they got only fans content um of mine and they sent it to my mom not only did they dox me but they doxed my mom um and they sent her but it was really funny because um like so that was scary right because that was like okay all of a sudden like they know my phone number they know my address you know like that kind of stuff that was terrifying um but what was really interesting about the situation was that it resolved in a way that I did not expect it to, which was that my mom and I wound up having a really great conversation about my work. Like she was unfazed by the picks, the picks, you know, she's just like, okay, like, okay, people have parts. Good job. You know? Um, but we had this like really wonderful conversation. So it was it was really strangely like this like very silver lining of my mom for the first time like understood why I do what I do, how I do what I do, like like what kind of content I actually make. Like, and it was, it was really nice. We had this wonderful thing. And so it's really interesting, I think, like the dichotomy of trying to stay safe on the internet, which is difficult anyway, but then knowing that there are people who are actively trying to hurt you and actively trying to harm you um but also in that sort of like discovering that realizing that sometimes that in itself can foster more understanding and more conversation and more acceptance and so it was like weirdly like the trolls lost that day even though you know technically they won worst case scenario but I was like yeah the worst thing that could possibly happen happened they sent naked pictures to my mom and my mom was like okay
0: (laughs) cool and that's part of why I joke now is like, I am, I am an alcoholic. I'm sober now, but I'm an alcoholic who like, I have a stripper, I'm a sex worker and I'm all this. My grandparents know it. I used to be the black sheep of the family. And now I'm like the trustee in the family. And so like, I find it hilarious, you know, just like how things can turn when you have a family member that is supportive and loving and understanding and so like I love that you and your mom got to have that kind of conversation and that coming together from such a negative experience yeah
2: yeah it's nice when that happens you
1: know see and I just have like random strangers showing up on my doorstep so I'm glad nobody's like (laughs) sent nudes to my dad who'd be like all right cool yeah I guess
0: (laughs) I made that right yeah
1: (laughs) Came out of me. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) So, I mean, kind of like talking about all of these people that are, you know, trying to hurt you or, you know, that have something to say and responding in a very healthy way and then having, you know, positive things come out of it. How do you and your polycule navigate criticism in real life of being poly, either, you know, IRL or from trolls online? How do you handle that?
2: I mean, this is going to be like a weird, this is a weird take. But like, I, I mean, at some point, you don't have time to read every comment. Like, you know, that just becomes a reality of life. I used to read every single comment twice, you know? I used to like, oh, did they really mean that exclamation point? I better overanalyze it. Um, but at a certain point, you, you don't have time to read every comment. You know, you can't respond to every message anyway. Um, and so... There have been a couple of times where people will say shitty things or, you know, like, shall we say less than educated things. Um, But one of the things that I actually think has been really interesting is that we haven't really gotten all that much hate. You know, we haven't gotten all that much pushback. You know, every so often somebody comes to the comments and calls Chris a cock or, you know, like some some silly thing like that. Um, Cucks around here, just for the record, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Boy, boy, beta cuck. But like, I, I think what has happened is is really interesting for us, at least, is that we found ourselves found a community um, that is pretty universally supportive. You know, is pretty much universally accepting in that, and the people who aren't are either one of two things. They are either misinformed, undereducated, perhaps have never met a poly person before, never interacted with a, a, you know, kinky... I'm, like, surprised you've absolutely interacted with a kinky person before. You just didn't know it, you know? Um, Or they're just there to be mad on the internet. And one of those groups, you know, group A you can absolutely reach out to those people. You know, like I've had some really lovely conversations with people who are like, oh my God, I could I could never, you're cheating on your husband. And I'm like, well, actually let's unpack that. You know, like, let's break down what that means. Like, let's talk about it. Um, and so as much as possible, when people are shitty, I try to use it as a learning opportunity, as an education opportunity to represent um, we, we very much prefer the term ethical non-monogamy to polyamory, um, you know, but we try to represent the community and, and, and do a little bit of teaching. But then if it's, you know, they're, they're coming in the comments and, you know, calling me a fat bitch and soy boy beta cuck and like that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, well then you get a block, you know, you just get a block. Like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that in my life. Um, you know, I get a hundred thousand comments a day. Like I don't, goodbye forever. stranger on the internet, you know? Um, so yeah, so it, it, I think sometimes it's frustrating just because I'm a people pleaser and I'm, I'm somebody who wants everybody to be happy and I, and I want everybody to be okay. Um, and it feels really shitty when because of my content, you know, like one of my partners has a negative experience. Um, but I also just think even in those negative experiences, there is room for education, there's room for kindness, there's room for compassion. And if there's not, then they just get a block and everybody moves on with their day, you know?
0: So I'm curious about something you said in that. I'm curious as to why y'all prefer the term ethically non-monogamous versus polyamorous. Cause I know like- It's a a very hot take. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we use it interchangeably. So I'm just, I'm just curious. It's fine. It's, it's honestly wanna...
2: it's no, it's okay. It's we've actually talked about this a lot. Um, when we used to do we used to do way more lives on TikTok, but we kind of got away from it. Um, but it's I think it's just because ethical is in the name. And so it's like when you have that conversation about like, wait, you have more than one partner. Um, you know, it's like you have to start with the word ethical, you know. Whereas unfortunately, and this might be a spicy take. Um, but there have been a lot of real shitty people who have co-opted the term polyamory, but what they actually mean is I'm out cheating on my wife or my partner or whoever, but I can't help it because I'm polyamorous. Oh my God. It's just, you know, um, right. It's this, not an
1: excuse to be a piece of shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's not an excuse to be a piece of shit. Um, and so that is really important to me. And so I like that term. Um, but I think also because, I think non-monogamy is is much more like weirdly broad right because it's like okay well there are like monogamy looks like can look different ways you know um and so that I like as well because it's like it's sort of like a nice little explainer course just like in using the title um and, and honestly, I just got tired of like unicorn hunters because that yeah. happens to me a lot. Um, and so it was like, oh, we're
0: Polly. And, and
2: I'm like, no, you just need a, a living sex toy. Um, and so I Which found that using...
0: iron professional. Oh. Right?
2: Exactly. And so like, and so that was kind of the point where I was like, okay, well, if I take Polly out of my bio and I put E&M in, um, it winds up attracting more of the type of people that I want to hang out with
1: Well, and we did an entire episode on like the umbrella term of ethical non-monogamy and all of the different things that can be encompassed under that and we got a lot of great feedback on that I think we just used poly for brevity but you're right you know a lot of those pieces of feedback because we get a lot of those questions and comments as well isn't that just cheating with you know extra steps whatever and you know I feel like we might have to start either using that or explaining it a little bit better. But I think the one time that we started using ethical non-monogamy, we got more swingers in our comments and uh, (laughs) in our lives, which is fine. Like I swing as well. And it's not really twins thing, but I'm, you know, since it is also encompassed under that umbrella term, it's like, yeah. Yeah,
2: no, that makes sense too. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's just like, I'm never like going to like gatekeep, uh, you know what you want to call yourself um but for us especially because we get so much of the like well are you guys are you just cheating it's like having that like well you have to start with ethical before you get to non-monogamy like it's like right there in the you know so like i found that it just opens up a little bit more dialogue and like generative debate or not debate but like just discussion you know um but yeah it's kind of like little column a little column B.
1: <laughs> awesome thank you i love that answer so moving into the next one so you do you've talked a lot about your advocacy work and the way you educate across your social media platforms what do you think has been like the best return on investment for that like what have you gotten the most back from in your advocacy work
2: if i can get through this answer without crying i will be shocked and surprised um but so you know i started off making Shit posts, basically, you know, things in my ADHD home that just make sense, like that kind of stuff. And then in the comments section of that, there were like some good questions, so I started answering those. And then in those comment sections, there would be more questions, and so like I sort of just sort of very weirdly fell into making content about my experience as a to person. Like it was not like I didn't wake up and decide to start talking about ADHD. And so it it always felt kind of accidental, you know, it always kind of felt like I was just kind of like right place, right time, like that kind of thing. Um, and then one day somebody was like, hey, do you have a P.O. box? Because I would like to send you a letter. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like people want to send me mail. So I got a P.O. box and I got it. And like a couple of days later, later I got a letter um, and it was from a person who said, you know, there's no undramatic way of saying this, um, but you are the reason I didn't kill myself um, because of your content. And I was like, huh, like that's, that's That's, a lot. That's heavy. That's a, that's a lot to internalize. Uh, And so I kind of just, you know, read the letter and kind of put it, on the counter and left it and then a couple of days later i went back and i checked my p.o box again and i had four letters um and there was one from a wife who said that my content was the first time that she understood her husband uh and felt like her relationship was going to be okay i got a letter from a kid saying that i was the first person with a master's degree that you know uh with adhd that they had ever heard of and so they were going to go to grad school because of my content um, and then they just kept coming. they like and and so it's like, and it's funny cause I often forget my PO box exists. Um, and so I will go back, you know, and, and the people at the post office know who I am at this point, And they're always like, oh my God, where have you been? But now I, I don't get them in the ones, I get them in, in the dozens. Um, and so there's an entire wall of my house that is now just covered in letters. Um, and I think that's my answer is like, I haven't made a lot of money doing this. I haven't, I don't think become rich and famous in, in any sort of way that I was like, yes, this is the, the glamorous life of celebrities surrounded by garbage and old coffee cups. Um, but I have helped people in this world. Like I've I've helped people. People are apparently alive <laughs> because of me. Um, I've helped relationships I've helped parents understand their kids I've helped you know partners understand their partners Um, that's very big that's a very big thing Uh, and it's often very hard to internalize because it's just so much Um, and so that's my answer is that that's been the return is knowing that because of being honest because of being open because of just kind of deciding like fuck it i'm gonna do this on my own terms and talk about the things that i care about i got to help people and that's cool
1: (laughs) it is a good and noble thing and your vulnerability in you know dealing with what you've dealt with and being open and honest definitely has helped people and that's a crazy good answer. <laughs> Thank you. You, you made it through the. You made it through the answer.
2: I did. I was like stare, stare yeah, at the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. like, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry.
1: Meanwhile, twins over there crying and staying <laughs> off the mic, so she she can't talk right now.
0: Look, I'm a Pisces. I cry at the drop of a hat. Okay.
1: <laughs> but no, I I absolutely love that answer, and now I just kind of want to write you a letter too, and just be like, I'm going to add to the pile. So th- that that actually leads me to one of the other questions that we didn't prepare you in advance for but because you have gotten so big and now you get dozens of letters and like you said 100,000 comments a day how do you manage those social interactions and those social expectations when you're getting such high volume of communication in every different method on a daily basis
2: that's a really good answer question. Um I don't know if I have a good answer though because I mean a lot of it is just I do my best, you know? Like I I one of the hardest parts for me was when the number of messages that I was getting a day were more than the number of messages a day that I could answer. That was devastating. That was so hard for me to accept. Um but so basically what I what I try and do now is I have a lot like it sounds disingenuous but it's actually it's a, I mean, it's an accessibility tool, um, but I have a lot of, like, formatted emails, you know, like, because a lot of times people just want resources, you know, like, do you have a book recommendation or do you have, like, stuff that you can help me out with? And so, you know, I've got, like, kind of, like, those prepped so I don't have to write the email every time. Um, you know, but sometimes it is important to me that I be accessible, you know, and I and I have the ability to talk with people. Um and so I've been pretty public about the fact that like if you want a response, the only platform where I can guarantee a response is on OnlyFans. And it's just because I'm being paid for my time, you know, and and it seems it sucks because like I was a theater person who became a content creator. And so when I when you talk about like valuing your time like, that is not something that I ever learned. Like, I'm still doing it for the exposure 90% foreign, of the time. You know what I mean? It's foreign concept. The a, starving a foreign artist, concept, you know? Yeah. And so it's like the first time somebody was like, I'll give you $1,000 to make a TikTok. I was like, I'm sorry, what? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, and so for me it's, it's really about, I, I provide as many avenues as I can. I've, you know, emails, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, TikTok DMs, OnlyFans DMs. Um, and I try to be really transparent about, I can't, I just, I can't, the volume of stuff that I get every day, I, I cannot do it. Um, you know, but I have avenues where people will get a response. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer. That's that's really no, the, that's, the thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's just—it's a
1: great answer because you actually told kind of a version of that story at Dragon Con where you're like, I used to respond to every email. I did. And I then it freaked me out when I can't respond to every email. It's,
2: it's so like I feel so bad, you know, and it's and it's because like people don't send emails or messages unless they really want an answer They're, You know what I mean? And so it's like when, when I can, not that's like it upsets me because I feel like I have like an obligation um, and so kind of like letting go of like putting that pressure and expectation on myself and just saying like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can with the time that I have. And sometimes as awful as this sounds, like it it is more beneficial that I can make, you know, a, a 10 minute YouTube video and help 5,000 people rather than spend that same amount of time writing an email for one person and that sucks that i have to think about it that way and like and you know sort of monetize the conversation that way um but that sort of shifting my perspective about like the good of the whole versus like the individual but also sometimes it's just really fun to like surprise people you know it's like really fun to just like drop into like their twitch and just be like hey what's up and they're like oh my god and i'm like yeah what's up like that's just fun you know you get to do that too so it's like I don't know. There's a, there's a balance to it. I think.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people that don't make content that just consume content kind of really under or not underplay, but they don't understand just the sheer volume oh of comments, emails, and apparently for you written letters that big con- content creators get all the time.
2: Just like, just like the amount of work. And I did that too. Like I like I am of the generation that like I was 11 when we got the internet at my house. You know what I mean? So I'm like I'm just of that sort of like elder millennial where like I would look at Instagram influencers and be like, oh, these dumb vapid bitches, you know, like, oh, they have the easiest job in the whole world. And then, you know, and but it was never like something that I wanted to do. Like I never, you know, and now I do it. And I was like, I was so wrong. And I was so shitty. And I had no idea what I was talking about. And I I completely had to reframe my my perspective on, on just the shitty judgments that I put on those people. Um, And it was because like, you see the picture, you know, you see the, the one minute video, you don't see the like hours and hours and hours of work that goes into maintaining the community and the discord and filming and editing and fixing your sound because your microphone cable got kinked in the middle, you know, like just all of those like things that you have to do. And so like, even when I was sort of like just starting to come up as a creator, I found myself doing that a lot. Like I would, I would just be like, Oh, my job is so easy or Oh, my job is so silly. And I still am embarrassed to be like, I'm a creator. Um, But yeah, like there's so much work. There's so much work that goes into it outside of the, you know, one minute video that you see, Um, you know, and people are like, Oh my God, you get paid how much to make one minute, like a one minute video. Your life is so swank. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the, 14 hours that I spend maintaining that community for the views that I'm going to get on that one video. That's what you're paying for, you know? And so, yeah, but yeah, I used to be real shitty and and then I realized how wrong I was. And so as personal growth as possible.
0: <laughs> well, and I know that like, that's, you know, like that's a bit of a conversation that's going on around TikTok, you know, when we're recording this, because This will all be coming out like in November. Oh, sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like I know like right now as we're recording this, there's like the conversation around um, the makeup artist, Michaela something. I forget her last name. Um, And it's because of this old soundbite of hers that's like resurfaced because people are trying to cancel her. Wherein she was saying, you know, she was, it was part of a larger conversation, of course, but this one bit was taken out of context. And it was like, I'm just now getting off work and it's 519, you know, like you guys don't understand how much hard, how much harder my life is. And, you know, of course they're using that to be like, oh, you poor baby, blah, blah, blah. And the whole context of that video was she's like, I got up at six and started, you know, like my morning routine and started working at eight. And I'm getting off at 519. Like, yes, I work on nine to five essentially. And and people don't realize, and you know, I know this has been a conversation for sex workers for years of like, yeah, you see the pretty edited pictures that we're putting up on OnlyFans or Patreon or wherever, but like you're not seeing the 13 hours of work that went into building the set, fine-tuning the costuming, editing the photos lighting yeah like all these things and so i i'm curious oh god it's going to take me a second to figure out how i was going to phrase this my my adhd meds like kicked in <laughs> no while worries. i was getting coffee like and i didn't realize they were kicking in until i started hyper focusing on the, the coffee pods and then i was like oh we're here yeah <laughs> i forgot where i was going with all that Honey, You <laughs>
1: Very good point. There is a lot that goes into that. What what I find interesting from like just kind of the navigating the social expectations of communication aspect is the increasing volume of like business opportunity emails and messages we've been getting as opposed to just the, you know, regular, hey, can you give me more information about this? Can you give me a book recommendation for new doms or things like that? And because, you know, I come from the corporate world, I still do a very corporate nine to five job. I still, I have trouble like switching that off. So as soon as I see something business related come in, it instantly gets my focus and I switch back into corporate brain does that happen for you cuz i'm sure those business opportunity emails come through with a bit more regularity but does it cause you to focus on them in a different way than you respond to others
2: honestly i got a guy i feel i feel really pretentious i got i had like i had you know, i got people. a guy i got a guy uh because i had to because that was the problem is that i was i was getting so many emails um that weren't you know like that were like well okay that were like business opportunities and partnerships and that kind of thing um but the but the fascinating truth about being a creator is like i probably get between five and 12 like inquiries proposals a day um i would say of you know if we say we get if we if if i got 10 right we'll put it right in the middle if i got 10 five of those are people wanting me to do something for free you know check out my game promote my podcast can you retweet my kickstarter like, like brand ambassador like that kind of thing then you know so that's like half of them are just like people wanting you to work for free and use your name then two of them are people who are like, I will give you $20 to make a five minute review of my product. Or if you buy this thing, I'll give you 10% off and then you can talk about it on your social, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Um, And then maybe there's three that are lucrative, might be lucrative, might be beneficial or whatever, but of those, two of those are going to have a super shitty contract where they want to be able to use your name and your image and your content in perpetuity and not give you any residuals or anything like that. And then there's like one that's like, oh, this is actually a good deal. And so navigating through all of that, like that is, that's an entire day. Like that is an entire day of work just navigating through that and so when like i think it was around like 1 1.5 when i finally was like i got i got to get some kind of assistance cuz i was spending all of my time being like no i'm sorry i can't work for free like you know that kind of thing um and so yeah so that so having a like a a manager whose job it is to just look at the deals it's worth the 500 bucks you know to like just be like hey please help me with this um and so that's that's been a good use of my time. Um, but it's also been like a, a really interesting sort of like learning experience in terms of like, how much work can I physically do in a day before I start to melt down? And, and the answer might surprise you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and more importantly, it's how much do you value your own time and yeah. peace? Yeah. Because that's that's a way that I had to start looking at it. Yeah. was like, I had to put a value on, and, and stripping taught me this. Yeah. Um, I had to put a value on my time and peace and space. And that was not something I was good at. Yeah. At all. Until I started stripping. And then I realized, like, no, I'm sitting with you. I'm entertaining you. Hello, theater brain. Like, I am entertaining you for this finite amount of time. If you're not going to pay me to do so, I will go entertain someone who will. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, everybody kind of laughs about it, you know, and, and, and scoffs at it. I was like the sort of like, fuck you, pay me mindset. But honestly, like our time as creators, as sex workers, as whatever is just as valuable as anyone else's. And, you know, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of frustrating when people don't see that value or if we have a hard time seeing that value.
2: Yeah. And it's also weird too because like there's this like this weird expectation with like creators that's different than actors, you know, that's different than even, you know, like we'll say like CEOs or whatever, right? Because if if you have an actor who has an agent and a manager and you know a, a personal assistant, you go, Oh, that person's a celebrity. Of course they have that, you know. And I was like, I remember the first time that I said out loud that I had gotten a manager, I got hate mail. I got hate really? from people being like, you're so out of touch. It's disgusting. That's so like, Oh, like we come to you for like real and like, Oh, it just turns out you're one of those like fake celebrities. And I was like, no, I'm a person with ADHD who struggles with time management and I'm getting a thousand emails a day. Like, fuck you. Um, but like, and I was so upset. And, and so that experience and like, I got like, and every Sunday so i I'll, I still get like shitty comments from people. Um, And it is, and it's very much about that, like, there's this expectation with content creators that you always are authentic and you're always, you know, you're just like this super approachable, like, like person. And I try, I try so hard, but it's like a manager, like a, like a assistant or whatever, like that is, that's part of work. Like that's part of like how you make this work sustainable for a lot of people and just the pushback and the negativity even like when i took like my first brand deal was for glasses i got a discount code for glasses and i got like hate mail and stuff about how i had like sold out and how i had like lost touch i was like i get 10 percent off my glasses this is i'm just we're not this is not world changing money here guys um but yeah just like the the strange pressure that we put on creators to like be this like hyper accessible, hyper authentic, hyper vulnerable version of themselves that is doing it all on their own. And I, I frankly, I just, I think it's really unreasonable. And I think it, I think it is also one of the causes of, of so much creator burnout is because there's not a lot of transparency about like managers and, and how many like big time influencers or, you know, and like creators have, like whole ass teams you know i don't have a whole ass team i got like a guy you know um but like some of like the larger creators especially once you get into like the four million five million six million kind of follower like um elise myers i love elise myers content but she's represented by one of the biggest and best publicity uh firms in the industry and has like a manager and an agent and a talent manager and like a like and it's like that kind of thing where it's like oh my god elise like it's like again i love her content she's hilarious and and so funny but it's like also there are thousands of dollars a month going into like pr and marketing and like that kind of thing and it's like we don't talk about that there's not like a transparency there because it's like oh i'm just like you and i'm like I have a manager, right. you, know, you know, but at
1: a certain threshold, you have to manage that because yeah, like you it's... said, there's a not enough time and not enough bandwidth Yeah, because exactly. you will experience burnout. Just trying to keep up with just the regular demands of one or two platforms, much less 17.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, then there's a lot of creators, including myself who are still doing most of that all by themselves. And I think it just leads to such burnout because the expectation is you have to do it all on your own otherwise you're a sellout and i'm like that's such a gross mentality i don't know
0: well and i have to wonder too like you know there's the conversations around um adhd and like accessibility and tools for us to succeed and things like that and one of the podcasts i'd listened to in the past um i remember being kind of turned off by it because they were talking about how and you know, this is kind of touching on your personal growth, right? Like for me at the time where I was at, I was kind of turned off by how they were talking about how like, oh, you should just get a house cleaner or you should, you know, get somebody like outsource as much as possible as a way to cope with your ADHD. And me with where I was at at the time was, that was financially impossible like it is for a lot, like a majority of Americans, right? Yeah. And so I wonder, And I and I've caught myself doing this when we interact with people on our Discord server sometimes where I'm just straight up like, hey, I will not remember this because my brain is wired weird. Tag me later if I haven't responded. And, you know, like I I will come back if I remember to, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wonder, like I, I wonder if we phrase it in a way not that we should have to, obviously, but if we phrase it in a way of going like, hey, this is what I need for me and my mental health to help cope with my disability so that I can function and help you guys better. Like, I wonder if that would change the conversation around it and how much so, like yeah, what sort of nuance that conversation would take on then. Yeah.
2: And honestly, like my, my like really hot take is like, I like. I wish instead of uh, people thinking like, oh my God, you're a sellout or it's like, it's so, I don't know, unauthentic to have a manager. It's like, no, like imagine how much more successful everybody could be if we normalized having support systems. Like, like again, like I think about like Elise Meyer, like, I mean, she's so vocal about having like social anxiety and like struggling with like mental health stuff. It's like, can you imagine like how much like less successful she would be if she didn't have that support and she didn't have that team? Like it's fantastic that she has that. And the fact that people want to judge creators for using tools and using support and like using their resources in order to like do the thing that they are passionate about. It's like, nobody gets mad at Jeff Bezos for having like a secretary, you know, it's like, what are, what are we doing? Like, and
1: the business world has understood that for years. You have to stratify in order to focus on the things that are important and actually get whatever the product is out. Yeah. I don't know why those same rules don't apply to this, to content creation.
0: I was just going to say, because that goes along with the whole idea of like the morality thing, right behind wealth. And I forget who said this in a video, but they were using it as a, they were they were using it as a way to explain like the difference in the party mentalities but i think it has more to do with like wealth disparity um as far as like at a certain point it of wealth it makes sense to have help yeah. it makes sense because obviously you deserve that you've worked hard to have that help versus you know, like, oh, you don't deserve it yet. You haven't reached that level yet. Yeah. So, like, why why is that even a thing? Versus, like, you wouldn't because capitalism. <laughs> or, oh my god, like, <laughs> raging socialists. So yeah. <laughs> but I just I, I find it so odd that in the corporate world, like Tier was saying, like in the corporate world, yeah, they understand that because obviously the C suite would need help. They they need their underlings like that's expected because they're still seen as like underlings right versus you have a guy you have a person who is your equal and i think that's a little bit of the disparity too in the mindset of like of course the ceo would have a secretary versus you kate having a guy to manage your thing like it it, you am i am i making sense yeah no absolutely it's like you know and like that's
2: the thing too is like the people that i'm working with are very much like my peers like a lot of them are creators who just have like different skill sets and you know talents and so you know like his nine to five is being a manager for other creators and then he goes home and he's like a twitch streamer you know and so it's like it's night like and so it's like for me it's like even more than like oh my god it's so unapproachable that you have a guy who helps you with your emails it's like no i'm also like supporting the creator community and you know like letting that i don't know like trickle down economics or something i don't know where i was going with that oh my god (laughs) the the
1: socialists are like no trickle down economics.
2: Yeah, um but But, i mean like yeah but it's just like i don't know i just i get so hung up on it because it's it's i like kept it a secret for so long because i was like ashamed because i felt like a failure you know i was like oh my god i can't do it all myself i can't run all my platforms and then i met a really 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 like i'm not going to tell you who it was but like one of the most famous youtubers And he was like, "I don't even edit my own videos." Like I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Yeah, I like pay a dude. I just film raw content and I send it to him." And he goes, "And I have people who do my like my comments and my emails." And he was like going down the list, and I was like, "Oh, so you just make content?" And he was like, "Yeah." And everything else just, and I was like,
0: "You can do that?" And that's um, an option. Yeah. Well, I know Markiplier. I know Markiplier has been like very outspoken about that. About like. Oh, yeah. No, I have people to do all of these things, you know, up to the point where like a few years ago, um, I've been a Markiplier stand for a few years now. Um, (laughs) Like up to the point where like a few years ago, there was like a bit of a fallout between him and some of his team because of his behavior. And he admitted to it and was like, no, I was a jerk as a boss. I kind of sucked at it. So I don't work with my friends anymore. I hire a team now because I couldn't find that balance between the two. And so like I, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, like I, I wish there was more transparency with these larger creators, like Markiplier, guy, um Elise, like uh, all of these big creators. I wish there was more transparency with them and like, Hey, this is, this is a team effort. Like, yeah, I record the video, I record the content, but then these other people help me as part of a support system. And I I wish we could like change the dialogue around that to be more of like acknowledging the fact that it is a support system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I really like that. I came onto your kink and polyamory podcast and we've basically only talked about (laughs) content. We really crushed this. Good job.
1: Right. Yeah. We,
2: we, (laughs) we tangented. Oh no. (laughs) How
1: surprising. So from a kink and poly perspective, what has been kind of the funniest change for you as your brand and as your social media platform has grown?
2: Um, the army of burnt out gifted and talented submissive breaths with a praise kink that have made themselves known to me there's like merch and stuff now which i think is delightful that's that's like one of the fun because i like i just coined that as a joke one day
0: um i never felt so seen right i I heard that oh my god i was like (laughs) (laughs)
2: that i think also just honestly just being able to be more on, honest uh, just about like who I am, you know, cause it's like, yeah, I'm kinky who the fuck cares? Like, you know, like that kind of thing. Cause I used to be like, Oh, I feel shame and guilt about it. I was just like, nah, it's what I'm into. And that's okay. You know, like that.
1: <laughs> well, and what would you, because I mean, 90% of my FYP is like kink content creators and educators and the other 10% is like cat videos and stuff. But <laughs> what would you like to see more of in kind of the kink education community
2: more conversation about disability and neurodivergent inclusivity and accessibility like there's like because i am i am neurodivergent but i also have a physical disability i have a condition called myoclonic dystonia which is a very expensive way of saying that sometimes my muscles seize what i don't want them to um And just the number of and well, and that makes me a little bit of a fall risk. And sometimes it's hard for me to get around. Um, And just like the number of like dungeon spaces and stuff that I have gone to that are not accessible, like they're just not accessible, period. I feel like we're really doing a disservice to a broad sort of cross section of the kink community and saying like, yes, it's fine if you want to be kinky at home. Yes, it's fine if you want to be kinky on your own terms, but you have to be kinky at home because we cannot invite you into this space with us and like invite right. you into that larger community. And I think that's a shame, you know? Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a big thing for me. It's just talking more about accessibility and inclusion rather than just always focusing so much on just like I feel like we talk so much about consent and it's like yeah that's great that's amazing let's always have that conversation but also let's talk about how to make consent accessible you know
1: absolutely and thank you for highlighting that and unintentionally plugging the episodes you, dear podcast listeners, <laughs> will hear two weeks after this one because we're doing episodes on disability in kink and POC inclusion within the kink sphere. So, thank you, Katie, for That's plugging great. Our upcoming episodes.
0: Love that. So, all of that leads me to I know we got to wrap up here, but I did have one quick question just one theater kid to another that I'm okay. very excited. Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. What do you think Shakespeare? would say about your TikTok content and, or your your general content, your content in general?
2: I think bisexual icon, William Shakespeare, I said what I said, get fucked. Um, yes. I think bisexual icon, William Shakespeare would be, I was like, okay, this is, I know that we're running out of time, but it's so weird that you say that. Cause I had, I sometimes I get really sad about really dumb things. Um, And the other day i got really sad that william shakespeare never got to find out about twitter like i was just like i was just thinking like what would william shakespeare's twitter account be like and then i started thinking about like all of the fascinating people from history that like never got to have a twitter and i don't know why like that's where my head went but here we are um and so i think that william shakespeare his whole thing was I think being fascinated in the human condition. I think he was fascinated with, with the truth of humanity and I think he was a deeply passionate and deeply um, interested person. Um, I don't think he ever sought to be interesting. I think he just was. Um, And so I think that like Shakespeare would like, he might not get it. He might not get talking about like sex on the internet. Um, but I think, like William Shakespeare would like, not approvingly at the vibe, because that is that's what I try to be. I try to be curious and interested and excited and passionate, and hopefully not like fuck it up too hard along
0: the way. I would say you've definitely succeeded at that part. Yeah. <laughs> In the last one
1: minute, and you got some practice on the last episode. Okay. Kate, where can people find you on lay interwebs?
2: Oh, uh, I'm Kate Asmer And I go by Katieosaurus on all the social medias. You can find me on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch, on OnlyFans. Um, and if you want to know more about me and what I do, if you want to get in contact with me, you can visit Katieasaurus.com. Um, and to make your life easier, if you want the spicy content, you can go to mostlypans.com. That's Very it. Very
1: well done. Nailed Very it. Well crushed yeah, it. Yeah, totally crushed it. <laughs>
0: So with that said, are there any upcoming projects that everybody should be looking forward to? Uh,
2: yeah, actually, I'm I'm really excited because this is coming out in November. Um, so la- a couple of years ago, we're going to go over time because this requires some context, but it's important. <laughs> as
1: long as you're um, cool with going over time.
2: One time I got hyper fixated on a certain thing. Um, and once, only once in my entire life. Um, but what I got fixated on, was uh how big was the turkey in a christmas carol because everybody talks about the fact that the turkey i know i know it's weird but it gets weirder um so for almost a month i did an inordinate amount of historical research on how big the turkey would have been realistically in a christmas carol um and i found the answer i I researched it but then i found out i was the only person in the history of space and time who cared enough to do that research. And so as it happens, I am, in fact, the world's foremost expert on uh, the size of the turkey and a Christmas Carol. If you ask Google, um, it will tell you that I'm the person who did the research. Uh, but it, it became one of our most famous episodes of our podcast, which if you would like to check it out, it's called Kate and Eric's infinite quest and ADHD adventure. Um, we talk about life with ADHD and depression, sometimes kink navigating life as neurodivergent adults. And we also play D and D it's a confusing podcast, but here we are. Um, but that episode was so successful, um, and has become so sort of iconic, um, that, uh, I am releasing a video essay version of the turkey and a christmas carol with like research and there's going to be like videos and like stock footage and shit um i've been working really really hard on it and i say that now in the past past katie sitting in in i don't even know what day it is in september I've, i'm already working on it and so that video is going to drop um the the week before thanksgiving so if you would like to check it out it will be on my youtube has nothing to do with kink or adhd or anything that i do but it is very informative about the turkey and a Christmas carol.
1: <laughs> I fucking love that. And There's I almost five
2: minutes for that. Right. I, was like, I almost this is really history. important guys.
1: <laughs> I hope the history channel picks that up and I, like, it becomes one of those like advanced I, alien civilizations. So, oh my
2: God. There's this historian. Her name is Ruth Goodman and she's been on a bunch of stuff. Ruth Goodman was on our podcast. Um, because I'm a huge fan girl of Ruth Goodman, and Ruth Goodman and I had a whole last conversation about this turkey, and she was like, "I'm sorry, you did what?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I got bored." And she's like, "That's cool." Like, I I was like so nerdy that Ruth Goodman was concerned,
0: and I well, was like, That's, I "Correct was- me if I'm wrong." Wasn't Ruth the one that like sh- now she's like the leading researcher on like arbitrary like laundry, right? Yeah. Well, okay, that that's what I thought. Yeah, cuz Ruth Goodman is okay, this is such like you're like
2: welcome to our king podcast where we're going to talk about Elizabethan laundry. Yes. Um but Ruth Goodman is one of my favorite people in the whole world um because she doesn't have like a masters. She doesn't she has not like she was like me where one day she was like why don't why didn't anybody know how they did their laundry when Shakespeare was writing Hamlet. And so she got really curious and she did a shitload of research and she just started talking about it and doing her own research. And now she's written like a bunch of books and she's on all these shows and everything. And I was like, I want to be Ruth Goodman when I grow up. Like, that's just what I want to be. Uh, and so I started with the turkey and a
0: Christmas carol and here we are. <laughs> I love that so much. Like that is so near dear. like I remember that podcast episode and I was just like so excited because I was like, I remember this one. And I remember like listening to that and going, that is absolutely something I would do because I've I've gone on tangents like on like in my spiritual work, literally just for the same reason, because I was like wondering, you know, like, I wonder what happens if this and this and, and just like all of a sudden, yeah. I'm a month like deep of research. Right. <laughs> And I just like it because it's like a, like
2: also it's something that like people now know about me. And so like I'll go to conventions and I'll be like on panels and we will be like, okay, time for an audience Q&A. And like every fucking convention, somebody will walk up to the microphone and be like, um... I think it was the turkey in a Christmas carol. And I'm like, let me tell you about the turkey in a Christmas carol.
1: And then the um, panel becomes just about that. And yeah, then yeah, Eric
2: yeah. sighs deeply and thinks about all of his life choices that led us here. So that's that's fine.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. We actually got invited to speak on a panel next year at Dragon oh, Con. That's so, so cool. Yeah, we are going to be on? We're going to be talking about... um sex in, uh, during a zombie apocalypse yeah. so yeah, yeah that should be that should be real fun <laughs> yeah come see us at dragon con Frolicon, and if uh you're in or around the new orleans area on november 17th come see twin and i do a performance at the dom experience uh so fun fun fun
0: yes well thank you again kate i i truly appreciate you coming on like i i know i've been fangirling this whole time so it's it's meant a lot to have you on here
2: thank you so much for having me
0: yeah and as always dear listeners my darlings my loves my babies be good to yourself be good to others give yourself grace love and patience and
1: more than anything else go out and do some dope shit
0: goodbye